Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Decoding TV special bonus episode discussing Justified City Primeval Season 1 question mark on FX and Hulu. I'm David Chen. Joining me today for this bonus episode postmortem, Sarah Morris. How's it going today, Sarah? Pretty good. (laughs) Happy you're here. What we're going to do today, it's going to be a very chill episode. We are going to just respond to some of the questions and comments that have been made uh, in response to our conversation, in response to the Justified City Primeval finale, season one, episode eight, the question. And then we're going to discuss uh, book and TV comparisons. So that's uh, that's the agenda for today. Let's get into it, Sarah Mars. I, I guess let me ask you this question, Sarah Mars. Uh, is there anything that you felt like we missed when we had our original conversation or anything you're like, have you changed your mind on anything since we had our conversation about the finale? I haven't changed my mind on anything. Um, If anything, just more cemented in my opinion, (laughs) but it did. um, I was thinking about it and this, if we take city primeval as justified episode season seven, Mm -hmm. there is a thing about justified seasons where the even numbered seasons are the best or good seasons and uh-huh. odd number are not as good. So it's like two, four, six. Those are the great seasons. One, three, yes. five, a little bit rockier, seven, a little bit rockier. Um, and this season actually really reminded me of season three where they're like, we are introducing Elston Limehouse and his whole deal. And we have quarrels from mm. Detroit and we're, uh, something's going on with Rachel, but Oh wait, never mind. We're never going to come back to that. Just forget that. And it's, it's those things never quite came together in a satisfactory way. Again, it's not a terrible season. There's a lot of enjoyable moments, a lot of enjoyable performances, but it never really clicks the way that like season two clicked. I think what we're saying is Neil McDonough is the Clement Mansell of season three, basically, right? Yeah, well, they they set him up and then he's just kind of lame in the end. Like he doesn't really do anything really. Um, So, you know, it's I feel like this was very similar to season three where they, the first few episodes, like maybe the first three episodes, seem to be setting something up, and then it kind of, none of it ever really happens. The only thing that happens is we know from the beginning, Braylon and Clement, they're going to have a showdown. Um, yeah. But everything else that they were setting up, just sort of, it doesn't seem to pan out, and it, you know, it never really clicks together, and it wasn't the most satisfying ending. Um, so it just reminded me a lot of season three. I think as I reflect on the season and look at the commentary uh, on it, a, a couple of reactions I have. Number one, uh, it doesn't feel like the show really broke through in any big way. Do you know what I mean? There are some shows where uh, they get more popular as time goes on, right? Um, mm-hmm. Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones are the biggest examples. Every subsequent season was basically more popular than the previous season. Uh, and... You know, I, I think the hope of launching a show like Justified City Primeval is, oh, we get the accumulated goodness of all the people that love Justified and then a bunch of new people, right? Like, 
Uh, and maybe that happened, but it doesn't feel like it. You know, I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's too much TV. Yeah. Like that's always a problem, but it's also, that's kind of what happened to justify. Like it has a devoted, but not the biggest fan base. Yeah. So, uh, so I think I'll just say, you know, I had, uh, maybe hope is too strong of a word, but I thought it was at least a possibility that the show might break out and be like, people be like, Oh wow. Like justified's fun show that I didn't know about, or this is my first exposure to it. Uh, didn't really happen, unfortunately. And the second reflection I have is just that it seems like the consensus is this was a mixed bag of a season, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. think there was a lot of people that were say, like, I, at least I didn't see, I've, I, you know, I read several reviews of the season and there were, I didn't. I couldn't find one that was like, "This is amazing." I loved the entire thing. Every every decision was excellent. You know, like I think people were about a, approximately as mixed as you and I were on the season, which is that it had great moments, great characters, but that uh, overall, I wouldn't call it a home run. Maybe a double or a triple. You know, mm-hmm. um, probably closer to double <laughs> with that and with that finale. To be honest, um, does that, that that jive with your feelings about it, Sarah Mars, or your observations? Yeah, that that I had stayed away from reading reviews and stuff until the series was over. And then so the last couple of days I've been reading some some of my favorite writers that have, have been writing about it. And yeah, I, the feeling I get is very much like mixed bag. You know, it's not awful. It's not the worst thing, but it, it's, you know, it's one of those justified seasons where it's like, well, there's a lot of good stuff, but it doesn't really come together. And I cannot help but think what you're talking about in terms of we bring it back we have the original fans who are excited for it to be back. And then we hook a bunch of new people. I'm like, well, if they had done the thing where these eight episodes were about Raylan on the brink of retirement, hunting Boyd after his breakout, that probably would have happened. Mm-hmm. Could have. Um, Definitely would have had a higher likelihood of happening. You know, I think so. a lot of it is on. I don't think Raylan fits into the story of city primeval completely. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that was a completely successful um, endeavor to just drop him into this story. I see where they thought it would work because there are some commonalities as protagonists between Raylan and Raymond Cruz, but I think it didn't 100% gel. Um, so that's kind of a, there is, and there is actually, and it's written by Peter Leonard, Elmore Leonard's son. It was written after Elmore Leonard's death, but there is actually a Raylan novel called Raylan in Detroit. So if they wanted to do Raylan in Detroit, I'm like, why didn't you just do Raylan in Detroit? Mm-hmm. It's that's already a, a story designed to accommodate Raylan Givens. That's a funny title for a book, by the way. It sounds like Mu- the Muppets take Manhattan. You know, it's like it's character name, location. Uh, very yeah. simplistic. But anyway. All right. So, Sarah Mars, let's do this. Let's talk about some reactions that people had to the finale. Um, I'll read a few. I'll I'll probably pause, but if you have anything that you want to react to, just interject. Okay. Um, I'll start with uh, some of our fine members at decodingtv.com. And again, I wish to reiterate as usual, if you enjoy this podcast and want to support it and keep it going, best way to do that is become a paid member at decodingtv.com. We're really grateful to all of our paid members. David at decodingtv.com writes, not me, by the way, even though we have the same name. (laughs) David writes, very disappointing finale after such an excellent season. I've never seen Justified drop the ball like this in prior seasons. Uh, let's let's pause there for a second. Uh, you know, putting aside our feelings on whether the season dropped the ball at the end. What David is indicating is he says he's never seen probably a big golf in quality 
between the penultimate and ultimate episodes in previous seasons of Justified. And I guess I just wanted to check with you to see if you agreed with that assessment. Like, are there any season finales that you feel really dropped the ball in the original Justified? I think season three comes the closest, just in the way that nothing ever really came together in a satisfactory way. And it did, mm-hmm. there was a feeling in the last probably two episodes, two or three episodes of that season that it's like, oh, we're just, we're just shoving all of this together to make it end. Um, but I would say not as stark as this, partially because we're five episodes shorter. So you really feel the, the gap between what I think they're setting up, what I think they're trying to do, and what is actually happening. I feel like that was very, that the shortness of the season was that throwing that into stark relief. Um, because there was just nothing to distract from it. There were no fun little side episodes yeah. where Raylan goes on an adventure. You know, there was there was n- there were a, a limited number of characters. There weren't as many sort of side characters filling it out. Like it was very focused on this one group. So you really kind of feel it intensely in a way that you might not have in previous seasons. Yeah, fair enough. Pernicious Ducks writes uh, in response to that. Agreed. I thought the show really started to hit its groove after the dumb kid plot device was removed. Uh, and this episode just cratered for me. The Albanian conclusion was painfully bad. And even the tape thing was cringy. He's referring to uh, Clement Mansell reaching for the tape instead of the gun. Uh, then they went and showed me the start of a Justified series that, in hindsight, I would have much rather watched than this. So all around, a big failure. And that's a bummer. I had enjoyed the ride. Uh, yeah, and well, I'm that, at, yeah, go ahead. That thing about the tape, that's what I was talking about. Rules of book versus rules of Raylan. In the book, Clement reaches for something other than a gun and Raymond shoots him. So that is, if we're going to do what's in the book, and I feel like for some reason in that last episode, they all of a sudden got really loyal to to the book in a way that they weren't Mm -hmm. in the seven previous episodes. And it's like, well, this is what has to happen because that's what happens in the book. And it's like, you have not cared about what happens in the book Mm -hmm. beyond the general outline of Detroit, Clement Mansell, Albanians, Carolyn Wilder, but time those big pieces. Why all of a sudden are we sticking to these fine, like these little plot points? Like that I think is part of the disconnect is all of a sudden it's just playing by a different set of rules. Indeed. Uh, so I responded, by the way, hey, uh, feel the same way as you folks, but I hope you enjoyed the conversations nonetheless. And Pernicious Duck says, they were a lot of fun to listen to. Your perfect record of finding great co-hosts continues. <laughs> End quote. So, well, thanks. Uh, patting myself on the back there for finding great co-hosts and patting you on the back for being a great co-host. Um, and uh, yes, it's, it's hard to have a perfect record of great co-hosts, but you know, <laughs> somehow uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm testing my luck every single time. But Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about the show with you. Isaac B writes at DecodingTV.com, the Boyd sequence was so over the top, I honestly thought it was a dream Raylan had. Especially when they crossfade from it to Raylan walking up his bo- on his boat. I still can't quite believe what I just saw. That said, love the recaps this season, end quote. In the books... I should have cleared this with you in advance, Sarah Mars, but in the books, uh, does Clement go on a murderous rampage and murder all the Albanians in like one night? Does, is it, yeah. does it play out that way? Oh, that, so it does play out that way. Okay, cool. Um, so, hey, I, you know, it's... That, that finale yeah. episode is, with the exception of the fact that it's Raylan, not Raymond, Right. it is very much plot-wise, beat for beat, what is happening in the final chapters of the book. Including Skender making a really dumb decision and, like, his friend sending him in there without a gun? Like, that'll happen? Or did that play out differently? 
I, Raylan goes back. I honestly, at this, I am just blanking if Skinder's the one who lets him out. Raylan definitely went back to the garage. I actually think, no, Skinder didn't let him out. I think, and I don't have the book in front of me. Um, I think what happened was Raylan goes back and he's there and that's where they have their confrontation. Mm, okay. Uh, nope. They have the confrontation in Carolyn's house. They do have the confront because he gets the beers and he's opening the beers and he's reaching for a bottle opener. Uh-huh. Um, and that's when Raymond kills him. Uh, so yeah, maybe Skinder did let him out. Raylan definitely, or Raymond definitely goes to the garage and there's like a scene. So yeah, maybe Skinder did let him out. Gotcha. You know, right before this podcast began recording, I emphasized to Sarah the importance of me not <laughs> catching her off guard. Like I, I was like, Hey, I, I, I pre-vetted a bunch of questions with her, but that one was not one I pre-vetted with her. I kind of just well, came I, off with that off the dome. Uh, I but reread yeah. the book while the show was happening and I did make some notes but I was I wasn't making so much like plot point notes. I was making more like this character is this way in the book versus this way in the show, or that character doesn't exist in the book, or you know, like I wasn't really like, and then this happened, and then this happened. I wasn't making those kind of notes. So, no worries. Uh, but I, I was just curious, like, what, did it feel like a dream sequence in the in the book? I'm guessing not. No, you know, it, like... it it plays out very much because in the book it is so. <sighs> And it gets into like how the the two stories are a little bit differently cynical. They're both cynical, but they're differently cynical. In the book, the cops are actually not all bad. They're actually not bad. Mm -hmm. They're there's no mole. There's no inside man. Like it's it's the cops are actually not bad. They're in over their heads. The the feeling you get in the book, and this is what Elmore Leonard is so good at as a writer, is that the city is is broken. And you know, it's it was written. It was published in 1980. It was written in the 70s. And this is the era where Detroit has just been hollowed out by the loss of uh, factory jobs, by the loss of automobile manufacturing. So this is a very economically depressed Detroit. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of despair. And you feel that in the, you know, the tone of the book. And and what you really get is uh, Judge Guy is corrupt. He abuses his power a lot. And he does keep track. He has a little spiral notebook where he keeps track of bribes and stuff. Um, you get a feeling that the cops and this is the copaganda of the book are sort of like the good guys fighting a losing battle against Mm. this moral morass that they are drowning in just, they're overwhelmed by the scale of the, the crime, the failures of the city, the despair of the people, the corruption. It's like they're, it's like you can feel like they're, they're on this little island and you can like feel the water rising around them and they're threatening to sink into the muck with everybody else. Whereas in the show, the cops are all question, most of them are questionable. Norbert, questionable. Maureen, questionable. Wendell, probably a good cop, just very tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's but you get a feeling that in the book, it is very much us against them, that the cops are fighting the good fight. They're just slowly losing ground to this overwhelming despair. Whereas in the show, it's like, no, the cops are in it. They lost the fight. They're as corrupt as anybody. Everybody's corrupt. The whole thing is corrupt. Nobody gets anywhere. Like we see with Carolyn, like nobody gets anywhere if they're not doing some shady things. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a different level of cynical. Whereas in the book, it's kind of like the cynicism is uh, 
you know, a good white hat lawman like Raymond Cruz is eventually going to get sucked into this questionable shooting because he can't keep his head above water because everything is so awful. Whereas in the show, it's more, Raylan almost seems surprised by how corrupt everything is around Detroit. Like he mm-hmm. seems legitimately, I'm like, you're from Harlan. Why is this surprising to you? <laughs> but, but he seems surprised to, that it's just like this, you know, like he's constantly wondering how is Clement Manziel getting out of all of this? And then, then the reveal about Maureen being dirty and all of that. And when Norbert shoots the Albanian in the back and he seems shocked by that, which again, Raylan, you've done that. Why is that surprising? But he just seems constantly kind of caught by like, wow, this is like a really bad scene up here. Um, and, uh, I think it's just a different level of cynicism of no, they've lost. They're, they're in the muck with everyone else. It's this, this is what it is. The system is completely broken at every level and you're not going to get anything done if you don't get your hands dirty. Cause that's what he's trying to do. Raylan's trying to do it by the book, he's trying to do it the right way. And in the end he can't. And everybody, Carolyn has to get her hands dirty. You know, everybody has to get their hands dirty to get anything done. Yeah. That's a really, interesting moral arc for the book story right the idea that it's it's inherently corrupting and no one can resist it and it is centered on that it's also centered on raymond cruz the protagonist who's a little bit in over his head because he's not quite experienced enough he's a little young for the position he's thrust into he's trying his best but he's working from the back foot and you just see him slowly slipping the whole time because he can't quite catch up whereas Raylan again never feels like he's on the back foot it just feels like he's going what the f- is wrong in this town like everything is broken what it, like it just seems like he's just looking around going I I mean I guess we'll do this the old Harlan way um yeah I, I think I think the show does eventually end up in the same place as what you said yeah, uh, I think but they it just, do, but they it kind just of takes a much it. yeah it takes a much <laughs> clunkier path to get there it eventually ends up at the place of Hey, this is kind of an inherently corrupting system, and that's why. Ray, or it's I, actually, I don't even know if that's true because at the end of the day, Carolyn gets the job, and Raylan leaves not necessarily because uh, of how corrupting it is, but just because it's a stressful job. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not like oh, I, I, I'm compromising my morals, and therefore I can't be a good father. It's like this job requires me to take a call at two, like uh, 2 PM on a Saturday, you know, like well, that's, that's what it is. Right. What works for Raylan in, in the arc of the show is that conversation he has with Wendell, where they talk about leaving before it's too late and Raylan recognizing this is the inflection point. This is the moment I get out now and I might still have some life left to live with my daughter with, you know, be fulfilled in other ways. Yeah. If I stay then I'm going to be in that situation of I have stayed too long. I've done the job too long and it's going to get worse. I think the implication from the story Wendell says is if you don't leave when the, when that door opens, if you don't leave, it's wherever you're at in that moment, it's only getting worse from there. And so Raylan recognizing this is my moment. The door is open. I'm going to go. And that works for Raylan. I think yeah, it's when I, they, they try to thrust some of the Raymond stuff in there that I'm like, that doesn't work as well. Fair, fair. Maybe I'm being a little bit too extreme with my saying that uh, that it has nothing to say about the corrupting influence of being a law enforcement officer. 
Um, so, but but I think we would agree that whatever point it's making, it's not quite as clear as it is in the book. Yes, uh, I think because, it flows very nicely in the book. Right, because they've tried to shoehorn here. in this Raylan Givens character that we all know about into basically another character's story, and yeah. they didn't change enough elements of the story yeah. to make it feel supernatural, like very natural. Yeah. Uh. Okay, Sarah, let's read a few comments from the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash decoding TV. Uh, I'm just going to read a few. These are just, you know, I, this is this is giving us a direct pulse of the people, Sarah. What what people thought of, the on the ground, YouTube users thought of the finale. BFMVJCF245 writes, not a very, not a very streamlined username. BMFVCJFCF245 uh, writes, for me, the biggest problem with the show was the pacing. We didn't learn much about any of the characters and not much of a plot. I'm a big fan of the original series and certainly didn't hate this, but a lot of the writing was clunky and forced. I had no problem with Boyd being brought back. To me, it doesn't ruin the ending. He was still in jail for 10 plus years. End quote. Renee Six shares a similar opinion, writing, quote, the ending didn't undo the original finale for me and seemed satisfying in its own right. Even if they never follow up, it's an inception spinning of the top situation. Either Raylan doesn't pick up the phone and it's a happy ending for both of them, or he picks it up and they are forever entangled in a chase. So, and, and I should point out that I think there were a lot of people that did like that ending with Boyd. Oh, in, yeah. In, in, I way more than I, like you and I liked it. I right? fully acknowledge I'm probably in the minority of saying like you had that ending in the bag. You did not need to bring him back, especially if that, that should have been either don't do it or that's the start of the series. <laughs> like, yeah. And I know yeah. I'm in the minority on that. I've, and I accept it and that's fine. I'm not going to die. Like I'm not going to fight with anybody about it. You liked it. Great. I'm super yeah. happy for you. <laughs> Not in the minority on this podcast, though, because you and I think both share a similar opinion on that one. Uh, Ronatize writes, though, uh, the, the ending seemed too much like Tumblr fan fiction. Uh, I'm a bit puzzled. At least let Raylan say directly, I'm out, or he's your problem now, or something. The ending kind of has a Heroes re Reborn vibes to it, which I really hated. End quote. Uh, Do you ever watch Heroes Reborn? Oh, I quit on Heroes in, like, season two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it was a 2015 miniseries uh, that was kind of the return of heroes, you know, but yeah, uh, not a beloved miniseries. If you, if you're wondering what is heroes reborn, I've never heard of it. That, that answers the question of whether you should watch it probably. <laughs> uh, all right. We have a question. The Kel uh, Darrett writes, quote, the regular ending was terrible. The fan service additional ending was fine. But also depressing because in a couple minutes they reminded me how much better justified was than this trash season. End quote. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people not loving this season. A lot of people thought this season significantly worse than the original Justified. Uh, and you know, you, you and I, we our, our opinions are clear on this. I think we thought it was decently fun and then kind of dropped the ball at the end. But I do see um, where people are having that opinion because again, Raylan Givens is a cool adventure guy who goes on cool adventures. And this was a very much darker story and he's having like mid in all ways, problems. in all ways, yeah, like, in all uh, ways, like physically, literally physi lighting wise. Yeah. The lighting wise <laughs> is very dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's having like midlife crisis kind of problems. And, and so it's like, it's like, do we need to see, do we want to see this character go through like, like, Oh, my difficult teen daughter. And my thing is like, no, we don't need to see that from Raylan at all. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's that kind of thing of like, they're doing a lot of stuff with the character that I'm like, oh, you don't need to do any of this with this character. He just needs to go on cool adventures. 
Sarah, do you not like the character of Willa? I don't know if we've expressed that opinion on the I, podcast. I, I, they didn't do anything with her. Like I, they genuinely. I'm just joking. We've talked. We've talked about it at infinite. <laughs> both, I, both of us. To be clear, both. Yeah. I'm not just putting it on you. Both of us have been very clear on our opinion on that. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100 online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, okay, we got this email from Elijah writing into decodingtv at gmail.com. A supernaturally lucky psychopath leaves a wake of murder, destruction, and terror everywhere. Uh, I'm sorry, everywhere his menacingly scruffy yet handsome face goes, only to be abruptly stopped by a physical manifestation of vengeful justice. But enough about the stand limited series from 2020. <laughs> Let's talk about Justified City Primeval. Not having read the book, Clement strikes me as a mixture of the Dark Knight's Joker and Randall Flagg, as portrayed by Alexander Skarsgård in the 2020 limited series The Stand. This makes me wonder how much of the incongruity of Clement existing in the world of Justified comes from the book and how much is the show doing its own thing. I'm curious what the resident reader of City Primeval, Sarah Mars, thinks about the differences or similarities in the portrayal of Clement between the series and the original novel. Thanks for from a long-time listener, first-time emailer. Again, that comes in from Elijah, writing to decodingtv at gmail.com. And yeah, let's use this email as a transition into talking about some of the more uh, specific book versus show differences. Clement Mansell, what did you think of the depiction of Clement Mansell compared to the book, Sarah Morris? He's pretty close. I think the mm -hmm. biggest departure is, one, in the book, he's an ex-cop, and he's not here. Um, and two, mm. and that gives him a point of relation with Raymond Cruz. Yeah. yeah. Um, and two, uh, there's no, none of the music stuff in the book. No, like foiled, no, like foiled dreams of being Jack White. <laughs> um, in fact, the book is like really harsh on disco and like Donna Summers catches some strays that wow. I was like, wow, Elmore Leonard really didn't like disco. <laughs> a lot of people well. didn't. I mean, there were very famously like disco demolition nights in the seventies. Like it wasn't a beloved genre of music, a few musicians, a few songs have kind of stood the test of time, but yeah, there's, there's some anti Donna summer stuff in there that I was like, wow, she's like one of the very few disco singers who holds up. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, but he is pretty close. Um, I think the main difference is, and this is just the the different ways that narratives function. Like in a book, you you have access to interiority that you don't in a television show or a movie. So in the book, I think Clement is a lot more cohesive as a character because we have access to his point of view and his internal monologue. And uh, we don't have that in the show. And I think in the show, they were originally kind of trying to compensate for losing because unless you just give the character like a ton of in, inner monologue yeah. like voiceover, which is to me as a writer, I'm like, if there is a lot of voiceover in your movie or TV show, you have failed on some narrative level. Like you're doing this to make up for something that is not communicating in the story, in the visuals. Um, but I think they kind of just tried to make him that like, like we said from the beginning, he seems like a Joker-esque character by making him just like very chaotic and very like, just, I'm just doing whatever and I have no motivation except money. And it's whatever, like, well, I sense. do what I want. I do what I want. You know, he's, <laughs> a, he's that character from South Park basically. Yep. Well, yeah, but he it kind of makes up for losing that interiority is just to say he's just a very chaotic character. And he does have, I did find this line in the book um, about Clement that says, Clement didn't worry about odds or luck. Something happened or it didn't. And so I feel like that for the show is kind of the jumping off point. There's no real plan. There's no motivation. He's not trying to be a kingpin. He's not trying to run the town. He's just out for himself. He just wants to have fun and get money. Um, And if things go his way, great. If they don't, he's just going to skip town. You know, like it's, he's not getting hung up on those details, but uh, I don't think it was 100% successful in the show because again, they start kind of trying to thematically tie in some things that don't really land in the finale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how, uh, you know, you and me, we are not so far ap- apart in our ways, Raylan Givens, right? Like that. Yeah. That which it idea. makes sense for him to say that to Raymond because they have that shared background where yeah. once upon a time, Clement was a cop. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really make sense for him to say that to Raylan. And I feel like they kind of just dropped that in there as like an acknowledgement of he's not Boyd. They don't have that relationship that Raylan had with Boyd Crowder. Yeah. It's like, or you could also just not say that at all. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to give it gravitas, right? They're, they're trying to make it more epic and more interesting. A lot than it is. of that finale is reaching for depth that was not yeah. earned. Yeah. Speaking of depth that was not earned, you know, one of the things that we talked about in our finale discussion was around the Albanians. And I, w- I was saying how they ended up being quite lame in the show, but uh, were they more interesting in the book? And, and if so, were there any details from the book that you recall about the Albanians? There's just a lot more, especially Toma. There's just a lot more of the Albanians. Like in the show, they're introduced, there's the blood feud, and then we don't see them at all for two episodes. And then they come back for the final two episodes. And in the book, they're consistently involved. They are everybody's problem. And they're also representative of this rising sense of corruption and crime. And you can't stand separate from it. You're going to get your feet wet. And just the sort of inescapability of Raymond eventually being sucked into this kind of devil's bargain to get Clement in the end. Um, And again, because they were just so underdeveloped in the series, none of that lands in the finale. Yeah. 
in the show notes for our finale episode, I think you had kind of lamented that we never really find out what happens with Sandy. That yeah. wasn't a surprise to me because I felt like Raylan's goodbye to Sandy in the penultimate episode was the goodbye for the character. But I am curious, do you, does anything different happen to Sandy in the book? Like she just, it, yeah. she just says like, it's hilarious to me because I read the line and I was like, Oh my God, this is like, such a product of its time. <laughs> she says, I'm getting too old for this and I just want to start over. And I, I think I need to live a better life. She's 23. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm she's in the, and the it's one thing for Sandy to express because she's been through this like very stressful, traumatic experience. It's one thing for her to express. I'm, I'm too old for this and I just want to start over. Um, but the way that it's written about her age is very much she's 23. She's used up. <laughs> it's like she's 23. Like there's there's so much life ahead of her. But it's the 70s. And it's like 23 years old. If you're not, I guess if you're not married or in a starting a career, it's just you're just an old hag already. <laughs> yeah. Um, in real life, the uh, actress who plays Sandy is was probably around 30, 31 when City Primeval was filmed, maybe even 32. Um, but in, in her thirties, either way. So, which kind of makes sense if you think about um the five year flashback to the first time that Clement was in Detroit, and it's like, well, some time has passed. Like she spent some time with him previously, and then some time has passed. Because the implication of Sandy in the book is that Clement got to her when she was too young. So they I, I, age that character up to fix that problem. <laughs> I see. I that's that that makes sense. I mean, I will say that Sandy's actions would be a lot more believable if it was a twenty-three-year-old doing them. You know, yeah. Uh, than a someone in her thirties, because if it was a, is it, like if you're basically fresh out of college, you, you're. I'm sorry. I know there's people who are fresh out of college listening to this, but you haven't had very much experience in the ways of the world yet. Right? You, to put it really kindly, when you're that yeah. young, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly, and so. So to me, if somebody's like barely out of college and they're rolling with Clement Mansell, it completely makes sense. Like why they would have ended up in that situation for someone in their thirties. Uh, you and I both have the question, what's her deal? Like, why is she still with him? Uh, and I don't think the show did a particularly well, good job. And, and her thing of like, but he's fun. It's like, yeah, that it's like, works for a 23 year old. Yes. Yes. Doesn't it doesn't work, work when you're in, in your thirties <laughs> and like the dude's murdering people left and right necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, but so, it's, it's, it ends the same kind of way for Sandy in the book where there's no like, Hey, by the way, then Sandy like went and did da 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 da. It's like, no, she just has a scene where she, she helps Raymond in the moment, get the thing that he needs to get to the next thing. And she's like, I, I just need to get out of this life. And that, that is kind of it. So, but I just really liked, uh, is it Adelaide Clements? Is yes. that her name? Yeah. I, I just found her performance very fun and good. I enjoyed her a lot. So I just really wanted to see Sandy on a beach with an umbrella drink, but she probably just, you know, she probably never really gets out of that life. Like that's probably. Yeah. Well, well that's the thing is when she starts talking about how she's going to start over again with Raylan Givens, it's, he's just like, well, you know, I'm going to take it from here, Sandy. It's it's yeah. a very poignant moment because it's kind of him indicating, I don't believe you. You're completely fucked. Like, yeah. Well, and it goes to something not, that Nikki, Nikki Augustine says in season four to Ava. Ava, who's like the prettiest girl in Harlan, and that's carried her to a certain place within Harlan. And he says to her, you know, like a two-bit blonde like you, and it, 
you know, I think it's Sandy is like the Detroit version of Ava, you know, mm-hmm. and, and barring $10 million falling in her lap, she's not getting out of that town. She's not getting out of that life. Um, you know, it, it's just all kind of going to, re- that cycle's going to repeat with somebody else. Was it as poignant in the no, book? Not really. Cause Sandy, Sandy was kind of a comic relief type. Like again, mm. like the, the tone of the writing around some of the, most of the women in the book is very misogynistic. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this is, this is why I stopped reading Elmore Leonard. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I reached a point in my life where I'm like, I know it's a different time and it's, you're from a different generation and nobody blinked at this when the book was published in 1980, but I'm reading it going, this is really ugly. And the the mess we're in today in 2023 is because nobody blinked at this in 1980. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, those are some of my big questions. The portrayal of Clement, the portrayal of Sandy, the portrayal of the Albanians. Like those are those are my questions about like how the book differed, and I appreciate hearing those answers. Sarah Mars, is there anything else that you feel is worth mentioning uh, about how the book differed from the show Justified City Primeval? Um, I mean, I think the main thing is just how they changed the how they approach the idea of the propaganda because the book is very much, they're the good guys trying so hard in a world breaking down around them. Whereas the show is like, they have also broken down. They are not above it. They are part of the systemic failures, (laughs) Um, which I think is a more realistic take. Um, I wonder if the show had been made, if this story had been told 10 years ago, if they would have taken the same take, you know, if they they probably would have, they probably, I I, I imagine it very much would have been like, cause that's kind of what, that's kind of what original justified was was like, Oh, all these shit kickers in Kentucky and the marshals just trying to keep, you know, keep it in line. Yeah. You're sorry. Just to be clear, I'm saying if they'd made this a while ago, they would have used the same take as that in the book. Yes. But because we theoretically live in a different world now where we are trying not to unquestioningly valorize police and 99% of our pop culture, um, they decided to take a little bit of a more mixed path when it comes to the nobility yeah. of the police. Like right? now there's corrupt cops. Now, you know, it's Norbert is shooting people in the back and Marine is dirty and all these things are yeah. happening. Whereas none of that happens in the book. Yeah, so the cops didn't have very many negative qualities in the books. No. And, mm. and like the most sort of negative thing is like Maureen is subjected to a lot of sexism, which was probably accurate. Like there's but some wasn't, misogyny. Wasn't Ma- yeah, wasn't Maureen also like uh, in in uh, Judge Guy's book in in the in the book? No, of just. But you said Maureen is like a traitor somehow in the book as well, though, right? Like she's revealed no, to be bad somehow, isn't she? She's she's like just all the cops are just cops. They're uh-huh. not they're not part of the corruption that is happening around them, and they're trying to combat it. I see. And what is what I was hoping for is we got into the last few episodes and they're setting up Marine to be a traitor. I'm like, these are big swings you're taking away from the book. You're, you're implicating a cop working with Clement Manziel. You have dirty cops like Norbert on the thing. And, and like, I was like, Oh, they're really, they're really going to be like, these guys are part of the problem and they're, they're not helping. Um, and they kind of do like maybe 50% of that. Um, I do think, like you said, last episode, they leave it kind of open with Marine that like, eh, she's probably not like going to end up in jail for this. Like she might not keep her job but she's probably not like going to be put away for being a corrupt cop. Um, 
But I, it's... I'm, a, I'm a little bit confused, Sarah, because when Maureen was revealed to kind of be abusing her power with the murder weapon, I think you te- you texted her on the show. You said, uh, I-, "I was bummed that they went this way because that's what they did in the book, and I thought they would depart from that." So, what what is the equivalent of Maureen misusing the gun in the book? Then it's. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm trying to organize my thoughts around this because when it happened in the show, I for like a second I kind of got like, "Oh, they're taking these." swings and then what they end up doing was like curving right back toward mm-hmm. the way the book is i thought they were setting up a completely different finale gotcha i thought like gotcha. we we had the albanians the blood feud kicked off and then they disappeared and now we have a traitor in the police ranks there's someone's helping clement from the inside and i'm like okay we're going to a completely different we're going to a completely different thing and when maureen is so that episode where it's like ooh, did somebody betray the police, like is somebody working right. for Clement from the inside? It was like, okay, well we're, we're doing it. Like we're just going on a new adventure. Like this is just going to mm-hmm. be its own thing. And then when they're like, oh, well it's Maureen who's dirty. And it's like, oh my God, they're going to tie it all together. Like it's, right. it's not going to be a new thing. They're going to swing it back around to this is all going to play out the way I sound so stuck up when I say stuff like this, but I've been a writer long enough (laughs) that I see the signposts. And so it's like, okay, no, they're not taking the big swing. It's going to be, they're going to bring this back around to like, Clement's going to kill Sweetie. They're going to do the thing. And I didn't know if they were exactly going to do the thing in the garage, but I'm like, the Albanians are going to get them. And then Raylan's going to go back for the showdown. And they, they, in fact, they even ended up doing it even more closely to the book than I thought they would, because that last episode is literally just beat for beat the last chapter of the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I had a moment where they were like, oh, my God, did somebody tip off Clement? Is there right. a police, like a dirty cop working for him that I was like, oh, we're off to the races. And then it's like, no, it's it's Marine and all these things are going to come back around to um the gun and it's all like we're gonna give the gun back to Raylan and it's like it's like oh we're actually just gonna set up the ending of the book like we're mm-hmm. not going in a new direction they introduced something interesting and in by the end of that one episode it's like okay well no we're going back to the ending of the book when I thought first for a week in the space between those two episodes <laughs> yeah I was like we're gonna do something unexpected and something new because that makes sense it's a new protract protract it's a new protagonist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, of course we're going to veer off off and do something befitting Raylan. Um, but then it's like, no, it's, it's Maureen and she's got in the book. And I'm like, okay, so everything is going to tie up in this like very yeah, so- small way, like in a very like small sense of the world. And we're just headed right back toward the book finale. Okay. So uh, again, so I'm still not clear in more is Maureen dirty in the book. No. Okay. But so when they oh, introduced was, yeah. her as dirty in the show, or yeah. with, no, when they introduced the idea that yeah. someone was dirty, yeah, yeah, because yeah. in the book, nobody is. I, I was okay. like, this is the point where we veer into a right. new story. Right. And then the next episode, it's like, no, it's just going to be all of these people. And they're going to get to the same, like where the book is like, oh, this corrupt system is slowly overwhelming these good cops. Yeah. 40 years later, the show is saying the corrupt system overwhelmed. We're now in the past tense. <laughs> it overwhelmed the cops and they're corrupt too. And that's uh, not enough of a, a difference, I think. I think the show is a lot darker because it's basically saying, no, they lost. 40 years ago, Elmore Leonard wrote the story and it was, yeah. they're losing. 
And now we're saying they lost. Um, but they don't veer. They lost the quest to make a good, noble. Yeah, to, to beat know, that corruption back. Fear, fearless police force that is a force for good in the world. Like, they lost that battle. Yeah, and like, it. let's be real. They were probably corrupt as hell in the 70s. Like, <laughs> when <laughs> Leonard was engaging in propaganda, yeah. he was valorizing the police. Yeah. Um, but it was, I thought for a second, for like one week, I thought we were going to do something original with this idea of somebody tipping Clement off. And then it's like, we're not, we're not going to do that because by the end of that episode where Maureen is revealed to be dirty, at least insofar, again, like I don't think we were ever fully assured that she did tip Clement off. That was never really no, clear, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we know she's dirty, at least insofar as she's willing to pin this double murder on a troubled unhoused veteran who has his own, like leave that guy alone. He's going through some stuff and she's in the book but it, it that episode plot point wise ends in a place where I'm like that is what is happening in the book at this point in the story. They're headed to the book ending. They're setting up the book mm-hmm, ending, mm-hmm. and that was disappointing to me. I was hoping they were going to go bigger, different, yeah. do something else. Yeah, um, especially because we had two whole episodes of no Albanians. It's like you did not when Terry <laughs> Kinney showed up early on playing Toma. Because Terry Kinney is like a recognizable actor. Uh-huh. You might not know his uh-huh. name, but if you've watched television in the last 30 years, you probably recognize his face. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, Toma's going to be, he's gonna, Toma's going to be Toma. He's going to be the presence that he is in the book. And then he wasn't. So it's like, oh, we're going to do the book ending and you're not, you're not setting it up. So. Yeah. Indeed. Well, uh, it's it's interesting to hear you reflect on how yeah maybe maybe this is uh the real ending to the story is that they were corrupt they did succumb uh but I'll say for the most part it kind of does feel more like <sighs> window dressing is maybe too light of a term but it it does feel like hey you know FYI like it feels like FYI you know the cops are there's some corrupt cops but there's some good ones as well just know that it's a mixed bag out there you know like that's that's yeah. kind of how I feel like the show is trying to say it's I I don't personally feel like the show is trying to make a grand pronouncement about law enforcement in general I I just don't think it, it is doing that um maybe other people disagree but uh but I, I will say props to the show for at least complicating the picture a little bit you know so. Yeah, I don't think they were trying to make it a big finger waggy point, but I do think I do think that just like in general for anyone, if you are telling a story in any medium where a law enforcement officer is the hero and we are supposed to feel good about every decision they make, you're never going to really get away from copaganda. Because again, Raylan shoots clement when he's not like he's armed but he's not reaching for his gun mm-hmm. so that's a, it's like it's a question mark it's kind of like the tommy buck shooting it's like it was justified it's like i mean maybe technically in the legal sense but <laughs> uh-huh. if you tell that story at a dinner party i bet a lot of people are going to be horrified <laughs> well the more i think about it sarah mars the more it rubs me the wrong way that we didn't see what happened after the shooting occurred in the show um, like in the immediate aftermath of the shooting, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because because so what 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 is the what is the story that is told afterwards? Raylan says, "Oh, I thought he was reaching for a gun, but he wasn't." Yeah, and then that it. becomes a that be, but that becomes a massive 
you know, that becomes a massive, or I don't know if there would be protests, but people, it would certainly become a massive national news story, very likely, you know, I, I think. see, okay, first of all, the book just ends. There's no aftermath. There's the no book. six weeks later. No. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's Raymond kills Clement and that's it. Yeah, well, that's um, probably why the show didn't show what happened to the aftermath. Because there's, there's no there's, blueprint. There's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think, like, I if you game it out, like, in the real world, how would this play out? Like, what's the fanfic version of them showing the aftermath? I, I think it actually wouldn't be protests in the streets because Clement just killed all those people at the <laughs> nursing home. And even right. though even though they were maybe bad people, he was in a nursing home. <laughs> so he just terrorized a bunch of nurses and elderly folk. Mm-hmm. And so what it's going to play on the news, like the behind closed doors inquest for Raylan is going right. to be, yeah, he yeah. wasn't reaching for a gun, but what's going to play on the six o'clock he, news he is. Stopped a, he stopped a rampaging homicidal murderer. That's true. U.S. Yeah. Marshal stops, yeah. you know, rampage. Like it, it's not, that part is not probably not making it to the news. What makes it to the news is the man who killed all those people at the nursing home was later killed by law enforcement. That's Okay. That's fair, Sarah Mars. I think you're right about that. But even showing that, I think, would be interesting because it forces us to contend with this notion of, you know, uh, print the legend kind of thing. It forces us to contend with this idea of uh, sometimes we tell these stories that aren't true in order to continue operating in order to continue like feeling safe and normal. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and if they had adapted city primeval and they had kept Raymond Cruz as the protagonist, they might have been able to do that, but that's not Raylan. Like that's, it's that right. thing of like it's, the story is his confrontation story, yeah. with Clement. And once that's over, that story is over. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Fair, fair enough. You're, you're, you're probably right. You're, you're probably right that if they did show it, it would be unsatisfying because the rest of the show has not built up to that as an idea. Right? Yeah, well, and it's like you said, the show's not, you know, they they seem to have put some thought into how do we represent law enforcement in 2023. Right, right, right. Um, on the other side of all the kind of reckonings we've had in the last few years. But like you said, they're not really making that the point of the show. So yeah. I don't think we, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, oh, I would love to see how that plays out. It's like, but that's not the story. Indeed. All right. Well, I think uh, unless there's anything else, Sarah, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, but it's been completely fascinating to talk about the show with you. It's I felt I felt like we have been in really good hands uh, in with your justified expertise to guide us through what's going on in Justified City Primeval. And it has really enriched my understanding of the show. So, again, one last time on behalf of all of our listeners here at Decoding TV. Thanks, Sarah Morris, for joining us for this season. And uh, we hope that we have the opportunity to work with work with you again in the future. So, uh, all right. You want to let people know where they can find your work on the Internet, Sarah, until we meet again. Uh, my work is on LaneyGossip.com. You can find my film and TV reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm on various social medias at CineSnark. And again, find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. On this week in streaming at Decoding TV, we've recently covered uh, Ahsoka. We've recently covered Telemarketers. We've recently covered How To with John Wilson, or we will be covering How To with John Wilson soon. Uh, so keep subscribed. We have a bunch more stuff coming up this fall uh, for you all to listen to. Uh, most of it between me and Patrick Klepek, but I, I, I estimate that there's going to be other people in the mix as well. So stay tuned. Until next time, we'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>